quick warning that this episode contains references to pornography and sexual acts. Can you imagine there being a day where you are able to just say, oh, this is me, this is who I am, and this is out there about me, and I don't care? Can you imagine what that would feel like? Yeah, I actually, even on my way over here, was toying with uh, whether I, whether or not I want to use my name. And I just don't have the balls yet. Like I, And it's close, right? I think that I want that power, and it's close, and I'm not ready. What if you made a decision when you were 17 years old? A decision that it didn't feel great, but at the time you thought it was the right thing to do. And what if that decision haunted you for years? What if something you did with someone you loved was actually you forging a tool they could use against you? Well, that's this story. And it's a hard one for our guest to own, so I'm going to call her Stacy. That was my dream name when I was little. I just wanted to be Stacy. I'm not Stacy. I'm Nora McInerney. And this is terrible. Thanks for asking. And this story starts when Stacy is 16 years old. The year is 2005. And just let's set the scene for you. Top songs of 2005 include Mariah Carey's We Belong Together. Still a top hit in my household. And I mean, just the perfect song for a high school romance. Does it get better than this? I still get chills, honestly, when I hear that song. I I still know the words. You play it, I'll sing it note for note. You won't even tell who's Mariah. Is Mariah Carey here in the studio? So in 2005, if you were so lucky as to have a cell phone, it may have been of the flip variety or possibly a brick. I had a Nokia Mm. and it only played Snake. Did you have a customized um, plate that I, went on it? I did, because you could buy them. But you had to go like to the mall, because Amazon wasn't a thing. Yeah, you had to go to a mall kiosk. Yep. It was an aftermarket purchase. Yes. Did you also have your own um, custom buttons? I Yes. Oh, my gosh. I did, because you could take the faceplate off and put them on underneath. Yeah. Oh, boy. Facebook is a thing, but not really a thing. MySpace is where it's at. Okay, for those of you who are too young to remember MySpace, trust us, it was so cool. You could customize your page. Mine turned your cursor into a trail of glitter. You could make a song play when people got to your page, which was not at all annoying. You could install a tracker to see who looked at your page, which fills me with so much stress. So much stress. And the eight most important people to you would get like a featured spot. They were your top eight. So this concludes our trip down memory lane. If you would like to know any more, just come sit on grandma's lap. Talk more about the early zeros. Is that what we call it? Do we call it the zeros? No. What do we call it? The aughts. The aughts? Aughts. Uh, No. Aughts. Aught. No. We're calling it the zeros. 
And that's where Stacy was hanging out. She was hanging out on MySpace, and MySpace is where she found a new boyfriend. You'd see a cute guy, and you'd make him your friend on MySpace, and it would be just a terrible thing like that. So what attracted you to him? I was just a super thirsty 16-year-old. Like, I had been in, like, a very short relationship for three months right before that, and I just felt that having a boyfriend was the only way to live in life. And so I was just like, cool, he wears a uniform. He's alive and he likes me. Yeah. So this boy was tall and skinny. His MySpace page had poems that he had written. He played the guitar. This is this is some serious dreaminess I'm talking about here. Stacy's other boyfriend had gone to the same sort of fancy military school as this boy from MySpace. So as an added bonus, her ex would hear about this probably and he'd be jealous. So Stacy and the MySpace boy agreed to meet up. The thing to do in my town was go to a mall and there was a movie theater that was on the first floor of the mall and on the second floor was an opening. So you could stand on the second floor and look down and like visualize the person you were about to meet on a date and you could walk away secretly without them knowing. And it was fantastic. So you would go with friends, right? And you'd stand on the front and you'd talk with your friends. Hey, do you think I should go down there to the movie or not? And then that's what you would do. When Stacy finally met this new boy at the mall, jealousy was not her motivation anymore. This boy was tall, dark, and shy. So I felt the urge to help because he was soft-spoken and shy. And I was like, I could fix that. So we started hanging out more and more. And so I would like borrow my mom's car and go over and you'd stay like, what, like three hours at a time because you can, couldn't get away with anything more than that. Um, And then one day he was like, I have a question for you. And I was like, yes, I'll be your girlfriend. Um, But the question was, would I go to like the boys school like winter dance? (laughs) And so I did both. Like we became boyfriend and girlfriend. And then I also went to the winter ball that they had for the Catholic school. And there it was. If you fell in love in high school, you know, it can feel like a really, really big deal. Like you have found the one And I do have friends who did find the one in high school. Gia and Danny, I'm totally talking about you. Stacy and her boyfriend were in love now. They fell in love fast and they were at that level where you're 16 and you are talking about getting married. It's been three months. If I can't see like marrying that person, even from the age of 16, why even waste my time with you? So at three months, they're talking marriage and the intensity of the relationship just kept ramping up. I would say probably six months into dating, I started occasionally going with him to his um, psychologist appointments. I thought that was cool. I was like, oh, he trusts me. Like, he wants me involved in his, like, life. This is so, like, special and serious. And what I didn't understand was the seriousness of why he's there, which was depression and anxiety and just obsessive compulsive behaviors. And for me, it was like he's trusting me. What was his psychologist thinking? Being like, I'm going to make this a, a couple's appointment. Yeah. She's yeah. 16. Let's bring Feels her appropriate. In. What would you do at those? Like, what was your role at those appointments? Just like an observer? Um, I would observe. I think that there was a lot of concern that he would um, commit suicide. And so I was definitely a person that was like on the docket to watch. 
Um, and his parents really liked me and I think they they trusted me. So they I think their fear of losing their son was partly placed on me to watch him. An adult may think red flag. I mean, I do. I think red flag. I think what is that therapist thinking putting all of this on a teenager? But Stacy is a teenager at the time, so she's thinking, well, I, I guess this is love. I guess love is being 16 and being responsible for your boyfriend's happiness and his mental and physical health. I guess love is being responsible for answering his phone calls, his emails, whenever he you know sends them. I guess being in love is getting in the car and visiting whenever he wants, even if you have to study, even if you have plans. I think that it was about every six months that I stopped and I was like, do I still want to do this? And then I would say, no, I don't. I, I want to stop this relationship. I don't want to do it anymore. And then when it came time to like for me to like gather up the courage and strength to do it, I would say, well, I don't want him to hurt himself. I don't want him to get upset or mad. And I think I had said like to him one or two times, like, oh, I can't come over today because I have schoolwork or I have finals to study for or something like that. And he was like, if you don't come over here, like, it might be your last chance. So then when you arrived, because obviously you would go, yes. if somebody sent, said that to you, um, what would he be like when you got there? Yeah, he'd be completely closed off. Um, I would walk in his house. His mom would let me in. She'd be like, oh, he's in his bedroom. And I'd walk down there and he'd just be like in his room with his headphones on. Um, either playing guitar, just sitting there and listening to music. And I, I would probably have to sit there for 20 or 30 minutes before he would, he would like recognize that I was there. Like he knew I was there, but he wouldn't turn to me or anything like that. It was very uh, passive aggressive. I felt that I deserved it, but I'm sitting there like, what can I do to make it better? Like, how can I fix it? Yeah. How would you try to fix it? Um, like sex stuff. Yeah. <laughs> So all of this continued to escalate. Stacy would want distance, and then her boyfriend would respond with threats. And he wasn't threatening her with a, a breakup. He was threatening to hurt himself. He was threatening to kill himself. And before we go any farther, there's an important question that you may be asking yourself at this point, which is, where are the parents that's a fair question. And as much as I loved my parents and probably overshared with them in high school, there was still a lot they did not know about me, my life, my relationship at the time. Because at 16, you kind of think you're grown up, even if someone else does the cooking and cleaning and like buys all your food for you. For Stacy, she had a single mom who worked three jobs. Her parents weren't around. And her sisters were all much older. And she did share a little bit about her relationship with them, but not too much because, because she didn't want to hear, Stacy, you should break up with your boyfriend. I never got to see what a good relationship looked like growing up. So I didn't know. I had no exposure to it. And everyone I knew was either divorced or their, their parents were divorced or their parents were just fighting constantly. And so his parents... That's my problem. I bond with people's parents. And I guess I'm always looking for a little more family in my life. And, and so I would see their, his parents and 
they loved me so much and I would be over for holidays and they would give me presents and it was just a wonderful feeling coming from them that it was like they truly loved me. And so that kind of made up for what I felt when I was with him. Every year, Stacy looked forward to summer. Summer meant a summer trip to Florida. Three weeks with her grandparents. Three weeks of going to Disney World, laying in the sun, and just being cared for the way only your grandparents can possibly care for you. This year, it felt a little different. Florida wasn't just a treat. It felt like an escape from the intensity of her relationship and from her boyfriend in general. It had been eight months since they started dating, and the night before she left for Florida, Stacy was at her boyfriend's house until 2 a.m. because you can't stay over when you're 16, but you can sure get close. Leaving his house that night, I felt a sense of relief that it, I would have a break. Was it a break? No, it was not a break. It was sort of the opposite. I, I didn't really get to put my phone down or enjoy much of anything um, for the three weeks. It started as soon as the plane touched down in Florida. Stacy turned on her phone and was inundated. Uh, multiple text messages. Things like, I'll miss you, and then let me know when you land. What time are you going to land? I thought you'd be landed by now. Are you okay? Is everything all right? And then call me, call me, things like that. Um, and so I text him back because, again, I have this sep physical separation. So I felt, I don't know, safer to, like, not immediately call him when he asked me to. Um, and I text him back. I said, sorry, just landed. Grandparents are on their way. Like, I'll call you later. Um, and then I sort of just put my phone away. So how is this trip different from your other trips to see your grandparents? Um, I remember spending a lot of time inside because I needed to be by an outlet um, to keep my phone plugged in because the battery life of those phones were also not great. Um, and I remember sort of a sense of panic to what I was going to wake up to either in my email inbox or on text messages on my phone. It was exhausting. It was consuming. And then one evening. I remember it being late. Um, like, I'm about to go to bed late. And things like, um, I miss you, and then, like, I wish I could hold you, I miss your body. Of course, as a 16-year-old girl, you're like, oh, man, like, he must really like me. Uh, and then he asked me to send him a picture of my breasts. And I said no. And then he said, trying to egg me on to do it, come on, please, like, just this once. Um, and I said no repeatedly. And then he said, if you don't send me a picture of your breasts, I'm going to kill myself tonight. How did it feel to get that message? I was terrified. I started crying. Like, I'm shaking right now just thinking about it, like, to put myself back in that emotional, like, world again. And, and yeah, like, looking back, um, saying things like, oh, it was either it's somebody's life or a picture of my breast. And I was like, well, I, it, it was a mental battle. I trust this person. I trust him to only want this, to only ask for it once, for this to heal him, basically, versus 
am I going to be ashamed? Am I going to be embarrassed? Is this picture going to go somewhere else? 12 years ago, I don't think that would have crossed my mind. At all. But I do think that I would have felt bad doing it. There have definitely been times in my life, especially in my youth, where I would do something and I would know at the moment when I was doing it that it wasn't something I wanted to do, but I was doing it anyway. And also that in doing so, I was crossing some sort of invisible line. Yes. And at that point, being 17 now, I I started to get concerned because I was 17 years old and that was a picture of a minor's body. So you emailed one to him. Yep. Now remember, it's 2005. Stacy's phone is a Nokia brick. It doesn't have a camera. So Stacy finds her digital camera and her grandparents' guest room becomes like a photo studio for a photo shoot she never wanted to do in the first place. So she sets up the camera and frames it so it's just her boobs but not her face. I remember like basically dictating my actions as I went through them because I was so worried that he was going to kill himself. I would text him like, all right, grabbing my camera, all right, took the picture, going to the computer, got my SD card, like sent. And then after I sent it, I sent him a text message that said, I'm going to bed. And then I waited and didn't sleep for a very long time and didn't receive any other messages. After all that, he doesn't reply. We're going to take a little break. Hey, do you guys know what time it is? It's my favorite time. I get to make a phone call. I'm going to call a member of our terrible club. Beep, bop, boop, bop, boop, bop, beep. Elia, it's Nora McNerney. Hi, Nora. How are you? I am so wonderful, truly, because now I'm talking to you. I'm actually calling to thank you for being a part of the Terrible Club because it means a lot to me. And we have this group of awesome people who are there for us and there for each other. And it's really cool. And so I just wanted to hear why you joined. I joined because I lost my dad to about a six to eight month battle with cancer. The therapy helps. My medication was really helpful, but the terrible Facebook group, it really helps my like day to day. And actually I posted in the Facebook group about how this incident I had where I was in the grocery store and all of a sudden my phone shut down and I turned it back on and I had lost all the text messages and voicemails my dad had sent me <sighs> over the past two years. Yeah, it was horrible. I had a panic attack in the middle of the grocery store and dropped all my groceries, cracked my eggs, that kind of thing. It was like a scene from a movie. And I posted about it in the Facebook group, and, you know, instantly, within three minutes, I think someone reached out to me, hey, give me your contact information. I think I know somebody who could help you. So it was just, you know, amazing how much people were there for you. Did you get them back? 
I did not, but that's okay. But they tried. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you. Thank you for giving me your time and for being a part of the group. All right, bye. Do you want to join the Terrible Club? It does not necessarily come with a phone call from me, though I would love to do that. You can join the Terrible Club by donating $5 or more a month at ttfa.org slash donate. And we're back. And Stacy is at her grandparents' house in Florida. And while her grandparents were asleep, she was in their office. You know how grandparents always have an office? It's like a desktop computer, a printer, always a printer. Like if you need to print something, call your grandma. So Stacy's in their office and she was crossing one of those invisible lines. She was doing something she didn't feel great about. She was sending photos of herself, of her naked body to her boyfriend who said, He'd kill himself if she didn't send them. And she sent them, and he never replied. So she spent the night sleepless in her bed, watching the sky move from black to purple to red to orange to blue, thinking, is my boyfriend dead? Did I send the photos in time? Wondering if she'll wake up to a tearful phone call from his mother. In the morning, he does text her. Just two words. Good morning. There's no conversation about the photos. Not until he wants more photos. More photos of more things. But just for him, he says. No one else will ever see these. It felt gross. I felt really gross. I'm embarrassing myself right now. I feel ashamed. And then it's the other side. Well, if this is what I have to do to save a life. And then it's time to go home. It's time to go back to him. I didn't want to leave. Uh, But then there was always the part of me that was like, well, I love him and I miss him. But I, I got home and I felt like lying. I felt like saying, like, my flight got canceled or, like, I'm stuck in a layover just so I didn't have to see him again. But he came over that night and we hung out like nothing happened or nothing was different, but it felt different. How did it feel different? For me, it, it was now less of, like, this is my boyfriend who I occasionally worry about, like, hurting himself to, like, this is a person I worry about hurting himself and sometimes he tells me he loves me. It, like, flipped but I still felt all the same amount of pressure that I did before, if not more. Like obligation? That is a perfect word to describe it. And I realized that, oh, well, we're going to college next year. Like, maybe that's my out. Maybe that's how I get away. College is just one more year away for both of them. So this could be her chance in a year to get away, except that Stacy's boyfriend gets into and decides to go to the same college that she chooses. And all of their relationship issues come along with for freshman year. In college, things escalate. There are more controlling text messages, there's more abusive language. Stacy's boyfriend doesn't just ask her to send photos, he starts taking 
photos of her. And like always, he says they're just for him, just for him. No one else will ever see them. I couldn't stand up and say, no, stop, because I didn't feel like I had the right to. And so it was a lot of, maybe there's a future that's bright. I just have to work. Yeah, you. I, you must do the work. Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. It is on you yeah. to make him happy, you happy. If you're not happy, try making him happier. Yeah. So now Stacy and her boyfriend have been together at college for a year. They're both sophomores. And Stacy is in her dorm room one night, and she gets an email on her computer. The email is suspicious. The subject line has something to do with security alerts, and the email address looks like it's trying to look like it's from her college, except it's not from her college. It's from an anonymous person who wants Stacy to know that there are photos of her on the Internet, that her school administrators know about these photos, and they're going to punish her. There's a link in the email. Stacy clicks the link and then runs to her bathroom to throw up. Um, I see pictures that I sent. Um, I see pictures of me clearly doing sexual acts. And it was all on one account, right? You could see they're all uploaded from one person. My hands were really clammy and cold. And I had just basically the urge, desire to contact the first person I knew could help protect me, which I thought was my boyfriend. All of those photos that are just for him are now on a website where anyone, apparently someone from her school, could find them. There's only one possible explanation for this. He must have been hacked. Obviously, her boyfriend got hacked, so Stacy calls to tell him. He got hacked. He acted as though he was shocked. He said, I'll change my passwords. I can't believe this is happening. Do you want me to come over? As he's relaying his shock to her, a small voice speaks up in the back of Stacy's head. This isn't right. The voice whispers, don't let him come over. Her friends do not whisper it. They practically shout it. Like, Stacy, look at the username of the person who uploaded the photos. The username contains his initials, your home state is listed, and his birthday. Each photo is listed with your full name, first, middle, last. That's not something a stranger would know. That's something your boyfriend would know. They are right, of course, and Stacy breaks up with him, and he took it hard. A lot of text messages of saying that he's going to hurt himself. I was scared for him, but I was also, I also decided to worry more about myself in that moment. Stacy's now ex-boyfriend confesses to the campus police, which are not the real police. <laughs> Let's just get that out there. And he receives his punishment, which is a really tough one. I just, I want you to just brace yourself. He is forced to bring in a USB drive with all the photos on it and to sign something promising that those are the only copies of those photos. Harsh, very harsh. Hope he's recovered. If you're thinking, of course those aren't the only copies, just try to remember that 
The year right now is 2007. We didn't know that the internet never forgets, or at least I didn't. I mean, the internet wasn't an elephant or an omniscient god. The internet was like a wise college professor who had pretty great recall for someone who had done a lot of hash in the 60s, but Stacy was still worried. The only way I can describe it is like basically the feeling that you'll never be successful in your entire life. Like, you, you'll never get a job. Um, if you do, it's not going to be a good one. That your future friends and your relatives and everyone is going to know and see the pictures. And that you're pretty much just, like, garbage, right? Like, there's nothing you can do with the rest of your life because that's you're going to be Googled and people are going to see your boobs. Back at home for Christmas break, there's the drama of why Stacy and her ex-boyfriend broke up. Of course, I mean, she hasn't told her family the real reason. So Stacy's family is confused, but supportive. Now, his family, his mother, is really worried about him, not, not about Stacy. She calls Stacy and wants Stacy to talk to her son's therapist on the phone to explain to his therapist why they broke up. And so that's a that's a little ridiculous. And she also wants this to happen on Christmas Eve while Stacy is at her sister's house. And so I'm in the bathroom with my ex-boyfriend's therapist, crying on the phone, telling his therapist I broke up with him because he posted naked pictures of me on the Internet. And so the therapist's response was like, oh, OK, yep. Mm-hmm, um, all right. Well, OK, thanks. This is all happening while Stacy's whole family is gathered together to celebrate Christmas Eve. She's on the phone in the bathroom with her ex-boyfriend's therapist, real average holiday stuff. And her sister starts knocking on the door. She's like, are you OK? Like, you're crying. And so she came in the bathroom and I told her basically everything that happened. And she was like, I know. And I was like, how, how do you know the pictures? And she was like, well, that email that you received telling you about them was your brother-in-law. Her brother-in-law had found these photos randomly on just out of nowhere. Okay, okay, he found them because he was looking at porn. He didn't want her to feel bad. So he thought, you know, I'm going to email my wife's little sister anonymously and just to tell her I'm a school administrator and we found these photos and she's going to be in trouble, okay? This is the weirdest scheme. I realized that, yes, it is so weird. It's so awkward, but that's not the point. The point is not how they emailed her, but that they want Stacy to know that they stand with her, behind her, beside her, wherever she needs them. And yes, it is an awkward scheme, but Stacy really appreciates it. She actually feels loved and not judged, and that does help that shame she felt evaporate just the littlest bit. My brother-in-law and sister are like a second set of parents for me. And so as much as I felt ashamed and embarrassed, I also felt supported. And so I couldn't make eye contact with my brother-in-law for probably a couple months, but my sister was there for me, and so I had, I had that. For 
For Stacy's ex-boyfriend, the story is over now. He paid the price. He paid with an apology and a USB drive. For Stacy, what started as a selfie in her grandparents' office, sent with the heroic naivete that her boobs could save a life, that all her boyfriend needed to be mentally healthy and okay was a nude, that has turned into a saga spanning over a decade. We know now, in the year 2018, that the internet never forgets. We also know that the internet, which is the number one destination for both porn and puppy photos, is relentless in the simultaneous appetite for and abhorrence of naked ladies. When Jennifer Lawrence's iCloud was hacked and her naked photos were leaked, the internet could not get enough of it, and many people just shrugged like, well, if you don't want naked photos of you getting out, don't take naked photos of yourself. So we use nudes as a tool for seduction and as a tool for shame. Like, you don't find nudes to blackmail someone with unless you're out there looking for nudes, in which case, does that really make you better than the naked person? The internet has not forgotten those photos that were just for Stacy's boyfriend. These photos come back to her over and over again. The first time they returned, Stacy was in grad school. And it was an email that was sent to the entire listserv from an outside email, which said, like, come see your classmate nude and links to all of the photos. An email to her grad school colleagues of her naked photos. Was it somebody in my class that found them and they're trying to embarrass me? Was it my ex-boyfriend that, like, is still trying to seek revenge on me for breaking up with him? Is it some stranger somewhere? Like, why are they doing this? And why are they doing this now? I thought I was, I thought I was safe. Think again, Stacy. Think again, everyone. And then think about the Internet. You can't just call the Internet and be like, hi, Internet, I found some nude photos and I'd like them taken down immediately, if not sooner. That original site was taken down, but not before those photos and Stacy's full name were saved by someone and ended up somewhere else and then somewhere else because a few years later. I was at work and our, I get a phone call on my desk phone, which I never got. And I said hello. And they said, um, don't hang up the phone. I have naked pictures of you. And if you don't talk to me, I'm going to send them to your work. Not just send them to her at work, but send them to everyone at work. Send them to her boss at this new job. Stacy sits right next to her boss, and she tries her best to sound casual and calm while being blackmailed. And I said, well, I would very much like you to not send the photos. Um, what can I help you with? And I had, to try, like, I had to try to sound normal. Like you were doing work. Because I'm at work and my basically making eye contact with my boss. And I was trembling, like, uncontrollably, shaking. And he said, I won't send them. Just describe your panties to me. And I was like, um, no. And I hung up the phone. Once again, Stacy was in fear that these photos were going to keep her from having the life she wanted. Because they're out there. They're always going to be out there with her name attached to them. It's a very natural reflex to look someone up on the internet. Don't pretend you don't do it. You meet someone, you Google them. 
I'm Googling all of you right now. That's all I could think of. I'm going to be fired. I'm I'm never going to be a manager. I'm never going to be able to be to get a good raise. Like, this is it. I'm done. Like, my career is done. And then just a few years later, Stacy is in a relationship with a great guy. They've moved in together. They're happy. And I'm sitting on the couch and we're getting ready to go. And he goes, I want to talk to you about something. I was sent a message on Facebook early last week. And he explained what it was, and it was a guy that said, here are pictures of your girlfriend, nude. Whenever something good happens, there's an anonymous man ready to use her naked body against her to prove what exactly? That she has a naked body? That she shared it with a person she loved? I don't know. I don't know, to prove to her grad school colleagues that a woman who has ever been naked cannot possibly be smart or worthy. To prove to her employer that a woman who has ever been naked could not possibly be qualified for a job. To prove to her fiancé that a woman who has been seen naked before could not possibly be worthy of love. Fudge that. Fudge that. And fudge the person or people who have done this. The strangers, I'm just going to go on a limb here and say men, none of them knew her. And when Stacy worked to figure out who they were and tried to contact the police to tell them that predators were using underage naked photos to blackmail her, the answer was always, oh, there's nothing we can do. Shouldn't have taken the photos. So fudge a system that doesn't care and fudge all the strangers who will probably try to do it again. Because it didn't work. Stacy's advisor in grad school told everyone to delete the emails, and Stacy completed that degree. Her employer told her that while this is definitely the first time this has happened in their workplace, they're sure it won't be the last, and they stood by her. Her career soared. And when a stranger tried to ruin her new romantic relationship, her amazing boyfriend didn't just stand by her. He stood up for her. He went to Reddit, a website where you can ask strangers anything, and he asked them anything. Um, and he said, and I asked what to do, and... Uh, he's like, I emailed the FBI and I told them where they were and they're going to like look into it. And so like uh, without me knowing this person, I'm going to cry. <laughs> this person who I'd only known for a year and a half just instantly jumped to action and tried to save me. It was wonderful. He's really cool. <laughs> and now we're married. I mean, Nora cried. That is really cool. (laughs) Yeah. That is really cool. You can still get married when you have nude pictures on the internet of yourself. People will still love you. Yes, I'm loved. Yes. There's still like a little part of me that's just waiting. And it's more like the anxiety of waiting for them to come up next because I don't think it's over. Right. Like I, I think it'll always be something I deal with. And, like, you definitely think about it when even, like, thinking about having kids. Like, I'm not sure if I want to have them. And if I did, what if they saw their mom on the Internet naked? Like, because that would probably happen. Like, it's not about, like, nudity. It's not about sex, but it is about power. And it's about the fact that you, like, were overpowered by somebody emotionally. And that... Those actions and like that manipulation at a young age 
has just continued to strong arm you over and over so that you are nearly 30, but you can talk about this. And that's like every time you're able to talk about it, every time you're able to tell some friends about it or a stranger in in a recording <laughs> studio, that is you taking back like a little bit of this power, but that these photos can still be wielded against you. Mm-hmm. And you still don't feel like you have the power to say, this is who I am. And that's not your fault. Yeah, It's not your fault because these have been weaponized against you. I mean, if you want to look at them, look at them, but it doesn't change who I am. And so that's, it's hard because that's what I want to say out loud. Yeah. And I'm learning through this experience of sharing my story with you that inside that's not the same way I feel. (laughs) Of course that's not how she feels. If it didn't matter, we wouldn't have to call her Stacy. But of course it matters. At the end of our conversation, we talked about that because Stacy kept saying, oh, I'm over it now. But you don't email our show if you're over it, and you don't use an alias if you're over it, and also being over it is not a requirement. So we taped two versions of the ending of this show. And a few weeks after we talked, Stacy emailed me to say that we should use this one. I would like to say my name. And it's like a, like you're at AA, right? Like, my name is Savannah, and there's nude pictures of me on the internet. It feels good to say it out loud. The whole story. To put it all together and string it all together and have someone sit across from you and share your emotions and actually legitimize you feels real great. Hi, Savannah. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Did you hear that? Her name is Savannah. There are nude photos of Savannah on the internet, and she took them when she was 17. So if you look them up, you're looking at child porn. And if you want to try to use them against her, good luck. I'm Nora McNerney, and this has been terrible. Thanks for asking. Our senior producer is Hans Butow. Our project manager is Hannah Meacock-Ross. Our intern is Muna Shekhomar. Special thanks to Samara Freemark, who gave us such good edits. She is such a treat. If you've never gone to ttfa.org, do that on your internet. Type it in. Find a browser. Get your keyboard fingers warmed up. Stretch first. Don't pull anything. Hit these keys. T-T-F-A then a period, then O-R-G. You'll see a website. Don't worry, that's normal, that's good. Now click on the part that says get email with the mouse, the clicker, click on that part, get email. You'll see a new website, don't freak out. This old one is still there, you just moved away from it a bit. You can go back later and listen to episodes or submit your story. The world is your oyster on the World Wide Web. Now, you wanna fill out the form you see on this page so we can send you emails. Not too many, we're very careful about that, but good ones pretty good emails. Then you just press submit. Way to go. I'm proud of you. I'm going to email you. Honestly, not too often. I frankly forget to do it most of the time. Our theme music is by Joffrey Wilson. And we are a part of, we're just a part of a club called APM, American Public Media. 
The gang we run with is American Public Media, the APMs. Very, a lot of vegetarians here. <laughs> a lot of gentle people. 